0: And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations.
1: Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: NBA All-Star stuff is it's entertaining me. It compels me. I don't think it's good conversation, but it's entertaining. Like for example, I was talking with a friend earlier today about all this All-Star stuff cuz I watched the 93 All-Star game, the whole thing's on YouTube. Everyone keeps saying, "Oh, well, the All-Star game used to be so much better." So I'm like, "You know what? I I got to I got to do some investigative journalism here." It's not really investigative journalism. I just watch YouTube, but I'm like, I gotta see for myself. I wasn't around in 93. I was born in 98. It was a little before my time. So I sat down. I watched the whole thing on YouTube. I didn't watch the whole thing. Not that it mattered. I watched the first half. All the intros in the first half. It was better. It was better in the early 90s. And I don't think it's because the league was better set up for a compelling all-star game. I don't think it's a David Stern or an Adam Silver or a commissioner. I don't think it's a commissioner thing. I just think the players cared more in the early 90s and it's funny it's not lost on me and this is what I was talking to my buddy about earlier today it's like it's pretty funny that all the players are like yeah we gotta try something we gotta do something it's like you guys could just play basketball <laughs> Like you, got, you guys could just try harder what do you mean we have to try something this league man this league and this is why I've, I've been laughing all day cause JJ Redick went on first take which is a show that he does nothing but bad mouth until he's on it J.J. Reddick's on first take today talking about how Doc Rivers never takes accountability. It's never his fault. God, Doc Rivers is the worst. Okay, find one person in the NBA that takes accountability. It's not like Doc Rivers is the outlier here. No one takes responsibility in the NBA. No one takes accountability. Everyone passes the buck on to the next person. Ben Simmons, like, think about the career that Ben Simmons has had. Don't tell me to take accountability. Well, Doc's the one who doesn't take accountability. How about you talk about James Harden or Ben Simmons or like anybody, anybody, any player where it doesn't go well. It's just I want to be traded. Yeah, the way we talk about the NBA is so stupid. This is why I've been this season mostly out on like Bill Simmons podcast and the low post like these are good NBA talkers. It's just like this product is not a good point of discussion. And a lot of the people who talk about the NBA, it's, it's a very juvenile, very childish media sphere. The, the NBA lexicon is mostly very dumb. Mostly. Not not fully, but mostly very dumb. This all-star stuff is dumb. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Somebody talking right now with the Packers. Is, is this? Oh, no, it's Cheesehead TV. Sorry I was distracted. I saw a live stream to the left of me, and it's a coach that's speaking. And I, who is that? No one's speaking for the Green Bay Packers right now. Did I miss this? Am I a bozo? There's no way I would have missed that, right? Let me the Green Bay Packers Twitter feed just for a sec. No, I I think that's just Cheesehead TV. Okay, sorry. I thought they were introducing like Jeff Halfley or a new strength and conditioning coach or something. My bad. Let's, re- let's restart the show. Sorry for the, sorry for the distraction. I want to start with the Brewers in a couple of minutes. Tim Dillard is going to be here. At the bottom of the hour, he's going to join us at 4.30. He joined me on the Bill Michaels show earlier today, and the conversation was awesome. I love Tim Dillard. He's tremendous. He's great. So uh, you're going to hear that conversation. Talked about the return of Brandon Woodruff and what he's dealing with the injury and the Brewers starting rotation and all the options they have for arms, all the options in the outfield. Great Brewers conversation with Tim. So I'm excited to play that for you coming up at the bottom of the hour. Would love to talk with you at any point during today's show. I'll open up the phone lines here in about... 10 minutes after our first break 608-321-1670 and always I'm on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant a funny theme for the last couple days yesterday today down at spring training in Maryvale so Todd Rosiak posted this clip of Christian Yelich yesterday I thought it was funny I didn't play it on the show earlier today I played a a clip of Christian Yelich talking about expectations for Jackson Churio and the contract that he just got and So, we have heard a little bit from Yelich. This is a clip. This is audio that I didn't play yesterday or earlier today on Bill's show. It's all starting to run together. Here's Christian Yelich saying, Yeah, uh, I like our team's chances this year to do good and win the division because, you know what, if you guys haven't noticed, we always do good. We, for the most part, always win the division. Um, I definitely think we're going to be
3: a competitive team this year. You know, even when we've been good the last few years, like, no one ever picks us to be good, you know, just because, you know, we're the Brewers and. it is what it is, but, um, I think, you know, I think that we have a chance to, to really surprise some people with, with, the talent in this room. And, um, we usually always find a way to be competitive and be there at the end and give ourselves a chance. So, um, you never know what's going to happen over 162 games, the six month season. There's, there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, there's going into it, you know, there's going to be great times, you know, there's going to be stretches where it gets really tough and rough and you just have to, you know, just put your head down and keep going. We've done a really good job of that. Um, over the years and it's going to be fun to watch this kind of new wave come up and I think some of the guys that we've had here and that have kind of moved on are obviously going to be some of the best players that uh, this franchise has seen, you know, put on a Brewer uniform. These guys have done a really good job and, uh, but before they were that, there were also these young kids that were super talented that people weren't as familiar with and kind of grew and um, you know learned themselves at the big league level and developed into these um, household names and some of the best players in the game, so these guys definitely have that potential, and um, I could see a similar story kind of unfolding in, in that sense of, you know, when, when it was my first year here, you had the Haters, the Woodies, Freddies, Corbins, um, all these guys coming up at the same time that ended up being really, really good players in this league, and uh, you know,
2: that ends up happening We're being a good spot. I love the beginning of this answer where Christian Yelich basically says, yeah, I like our chances because we're the Brewers. Like, we're pretty good at this. Um, I definitely think we're going to be a competitive team this year, you know. We,
3: even when we've been good the last few years, like, no one ever picks us to be good, you know, just because, you know, we're the Brewers. And
2: I'm glad somebody said it. <laughs> I'm glad it was Yelich. I am, this is what I'm saying. I was complaining about this yesterday. I don't understand. We've lost the plot with the NL Central. The Cubs are the new Cardinals. The Cardinals no longer exist. And the Brewers are, I don't know what the Brewers are. We, we act like, well, the, the Cubs, they expect to go on deep postseason runs. The Brewers, you know, it's nice when it happens for them, but they don't expect it. I, I don't know, expect or, or to not expect. I, they just win. They've won more than the Cubs the last couple of years. They've won more than the Cardinals. They've won more than the Pirates, won more than the Reds. Like, why? Why do you doubt this team? Why do you doubt that this team knows what they're doing? I know they're dumb. This is the great, what's the word? Start to run out of brain power doing Bill's show and this show. What's the word where like two things are true, but they're in direct opposition? You know, it's the great, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Dichotomy? Is that the word? Paradox? I think paradox is what I'm looking for. It's the great it's the great paradox of being a Brewers fan. Like on one hand, we have no respect for them and we treat them like, like a joke of an organization because they're the brewers and they do all these dumb things. But on the other hand, like all they do is win and compete and outperform their payroll and get the most out of their players and find diamonds in the rough and win close games. Like what it's the great paradox of being a Brewers fan is we, on one hand, have no respect for them, but on the other hand, like, we have all the respect for them. It's weird, but one thing you can't deny is that the Brewers know how to win a lot of baseball games, and I, and I love Yelich's answer here and his approach. He's like, I don't, I don't really get it. Like, all we do is win games. And we had a weird year, and we kind of fell apart in the second half of 2021, 2022, 22. But other than that, like, how many times do we need to win this division? How many times do we need to get into the playoffs before people kind of realize that we know what we're doing around here? Mark Ignacio: in an article by Bob Nightingale released earlier this afternoon. Let me read this to you. This quote from Mark Ignacio: You know, I hesitate to say this, but there was a team that was widely picked to win last year that finished 21 games behind us. And we finished nine games ahead of the Cubs last year. Obviously, the, the heavily favored Cardinals were the one that fell apart, finished 21 games behind the Brewers. So I appreciate the friendly competition. And we're just going to focus on what we need to do game by game. It's funny, all of the people involved with the Brewers, whether it's Mark Atanasio, the owner, Christian Yelich, kind of the de facto face of the franchise at this moment in time, they're like, I, "Guys, I don't know. <laughs> like this, have you not been watching? Have you not been paying attention? Have you not? We—that's we, what we do. We win this division. We win baseball games. We make the playoffs. Like why are it?" Do you think you guys can contend this year? Yes, of course. Why would we not? What evidence do we have the last five or six years that that wouldn't continue to be the case? I just, and guys, this is why like, I get all frustrated when certain things are written and certain things are said about the Brewers and the Cubs. This is why this stuff matters. When I complain that Bruce Levine is writing the quote, and I I'm, this isn't verbatim, but it's very darn close, when, when Bruce Levine, who's with 670 to score in Chicago, was like, when Council was in Milwaukee, winning was anticipated, but never expected. But with the Cubs, Council will be expected to lead his team on deep postseason runs every year. Why? Why? Why why would that be expected? Why would it, why have you been watching a different league? Have you been watching a different sport? I'm I'm confused. Again, I'm not claiming that the Brewers are the nineties Yankees, the big red machine, or whatever whatever dynasty. I'm not saying that they're a dynasty. I'm not saying that they're the the giants of the 2010s. No one in this no one in this division other than the Cubs one time wins championships. Well, I guess the Cardinals. It's been a while, but like the last five or six years. That was probably a bad point. Let me retract that point. The Brewers and the Cubs are not historically known for deep playoff runs and stacking championships. So why are we acting like the Cubs are this postseason machine that's expected there's expectations in Chicago since when this is what what, what, what am I reading what am I watching and and like you can't hear Mark Atanasio's voice in this interview this is just in written text from Bob Nightingale but when he says you know I hesitate to say this but there was a team that was widely picked to win last year that finished 21 games behind us and the Cubs finished nine games behind us too like Marc Atanasio is laughing as he says this he's like I know like what do you what do you want like, have you guys not been paying attention? Have you guys not been watching? Christian Yelts. He's literally laughing at the beginning of this interview. I'm going to play this little clip again. Listen to him. Um,
3: I definitely think we're going to be a competitive team this year. You know, we, even when we've been good the last few years,
2: like, no one ever picks us to be good. You know, just because, you know, we're the Brewers. And- he's he's laughing. And I, and I know that they have sausage races. And I know they made a bobblehead out of Page Spironic. And I know they're obsessed with X-Golf. And Rick Schlesinger might actually have... A parking fetish he might be the only one he might be patient zero nothing wrong with a fetish different folks different strokes you know parking ramps yellow lines uh uh like uh like the lift gates like the little arm in the front of a parking garage all those things probably fire up rick schlesinger tailgating you know smoke coming off of a grill like yeah they totally there are plenty of funny things and we poke fun at all these funny things surrounding the milwaukee brewers but they win baseball games at as high of a level as any other team in the division for the last five to eight I know the Cardinals won championships a decade ago. And I know the Cubs got one in 2016. I don't think that championship turned the Cubs into something different. Did it? Did that title turn the Cubs into a team that's expected to make deep platforms every year? No, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I really don't. And this is why I get frustrated because it matters. People go nuts and they start saying things that just aren't right. And it's fine to give your opinion if you think the Cubs are about to turn into this perennial contender. Well, fine, write that. But don't don't say that. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'm the only one who cares about this stuff. I don't get it. We talked a little bit on uh, earlier today on Bill's show about that final outfield spot between Weimer and Mitchell and Freelick, and Freelick's doing some work in the infield. I've decided that I'm going to make an investment in some Joey Weimer stock. Like, I'm, I'm going to buy in. It's pretty low. Stock is pretty low. Stock, stock price went up a little bit when that video of him in the cage came out yesterday. But I am I think I'm in on Joey Weimer having an awesome season this year and being a really productive player. I think that's stock that I'll buy. I wouldn't buy it at price, but it's so low right now that I'll I'll, I'll snatch up a bunch. It's fine. I'll take it. I, because I think there's a big misconception, and Jerry brought this up on Twitter yesterday and we talked about this a little bit on last night's show. Right. there's this perception that Joey Weimer is a strikeout machine and Garrett Mitchell is the next Ryan Braun. And while Garrett Mitchell looks like Ryan Braun, and I think there's, I don't know, there's, there's something in there. There's some it factor with Garrett Mitchell that maybe he's not there with Joey Weimer. But Joey Weimer strikes out a whole lot less and hits with a lot more pop. Garrett Mitchell strikes out way too much and hits way too many ground balls. That's a really bad combination. Because if you strike out a lot, the tradeoff has to be you hit with a lot of pop. You put the ball in the air. You hit home runs. The two most likely outcomes as a hitter cannot be strikeout, ground ball. Those are like the two, those are like the two worst things. Can't have it. You just can't have it. So I, I think Brewers fandom is skewed a little bit. We love Garrett Mitchell a little more than we should. We dislike Joey Weimer a little bit more than we should. We might actually be Randy Newman right down the middle. I, I think correct in our takes of Sal Freelick at this moment in time. Really good contact hitter, really good defender. Definitely has a place on this roster and in this batting order, the field might be another question. I like that they're trying him at third. Like, I, I think he's he's that type of defender. I think he's got ball skills and hand-eye coordination skills that very few other baseball players have. He's small anyways. It's not like he's six four and really, really long and and slow and with too big of a gate to play the infield. probably fine. All these guys have played all different positions at some point throughout their career. And, and by career, I don't mean major league career, but high school, college, they... It's not like they were born in an outfield spot and never left there. Like they're baseball players at the end of the day. So I'm I'm amped about the start of this brewer season. I'm amped with everything that's happened in spring training so far. And I am uh I am laughing alongside Mark Atanasio and Christian Yelich. And that like, okay, so the expectations are up for the Cubs, but okay, yeah, the, the Lowly Brewers pick us to get third in the division again. See how it works out. Just keep winning games. It's just what they've done. For five, six, seven, eight years now. 608-321-1670. Take your calls. Tim Dillard looming. He will join us later on in the show to talk more about all this stuff. I want to talk more about the Bucks and a little bit about the Packers as well. The Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs>
2: Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you being here, listening. You can tweet me during the show if you have anything to add. At Wisco Grant. Uh, Jeremy and Scotty last night tweeted me this, this Tim Allen video. It's so funny. It's still. I can't stop watching it. I just, I don't know what it is. It's just guy stuff. We just love grunting, making noises, really of any type. I just, uh... <laughs> I've watched this probably 30 times. Probably 30 times since he tweeted at me yesterday. This just continues to make Tim me Tim Allen alive. had the... Uh, yeah, and,
4: yeah. 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 and we've done... Uh. The, the, <laughs> the Remember pit. when he did that one? No.
1: Oh. <laughs> he would yeah. do that sometimes? Remember this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. It's not obnoxious at all. That's hilarious. It's good, clean humor. You could tweet me at Wisco. Granted, you can call the show, 608 321 Sixteen seventy. We're talking Brewers. We're about to speak with Tim Dillard. Talk Packers. I I gotta get some off my chest about the Bucks. That we've lost the plot as NBA fans. So that's coming up as well. Let's go to the phones. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this?
5: Grant. How you doing? Have you lost the plot of the same? They've lost
2: the plot. You've been mentioning that a lot lately. I know, dude. It's because I'm on the radio too much. That's the problem. I only have so many unique phrases and words I could pull. We have lost the plot on the NBA though. I don't know. We've all gone nuts.
5: I agree. JJ Redick, like, he—I he, mean—he's always been a little like piss off his whole yeah. career. Uh huh. You know, going to Duke, being the bad boy, and then claiming, "No, oh, I'm getting all the—I'm getting bullied. I need to—I need to, you know, work on myself. You know, suck it up. You're the one putting yourself out there. You're the one playing a Duke Blue Devil, literally, like." Take some accountability. That's all we're asking for, JJ.
2: There's no accountability in this league, and everyone wants to come for Doc. Don't put me in the position to defend Doc Rivers, by the way. Like, I'm not some Doc Rivers stan. I just, I don't know. The Bucks lose a couple of games because they're banged up and they're not playing well, and all of a sudden Doc Rivers is an idiot and a bozo and the Bucks are idiots. Like, I I don't know. Save it. I don't want to hear it. I think
5: I think the whole team just needs to be all like LeBron, zero, dark 30, 23 mode. Like, yeah. just don't do any interviews. Just keep quiet, focus on the team, and, I mean, it's championship or bust. You don't need any more pressure doing all this media crap.
2: Yeah, I don't know why he keeps talking. Like, I don't think it's excuses. I just, he doesn't have a filter. Like, most coaches keep this stuff to themselves, and he just keeps being brutally honest, which he's not wrong about anything that he's said. I just don't know why he feels the need to say it.
5: Yeah, like, imagine Giannis being, like, hearing that interview with Doc, being like, I don't even know why the owners offered me this job. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Can't wait to ride to the finals with this guy.
2: Yeah, it's a little bizarre. Anyways, did you call to talk about the Bucks? I don't mean to force a topic on you, Cone.
5: No, I actually meant to talk about the Brewers. And um, have you ever seen the TLC, TLC show, My Strange Diction?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I have.
5: Now, it, it, there was an episode where this guy was in an intimate relationship with his car. I think Rick Schlesinger, that might have been him a couple
2: years ago. <laughs> I, I I can't count it out. I can't. The, the, just the weird parking thing that they have going on. He's got to have a thing for cars or for roads or parking structures and parking organization and lots. Like, it's just, it's his thing. I don't know. Like, I've never seen someone as interested. I've never seen an organization as interested in parking as our Milwaukee Brewers. And I think it's funny. I think it's great. I, I just don't totally get it.
5: Honestly, too, like when they do, um, you know, the blimp views or the drone views over a stadium, mm-hmm. whenever there's a full parking lot, it just looks visually appealing. Way better than a strip of bars or an entertainment district. Yep. Give me yep, yep. nice yep. cars lined up in a row. I just think it looks good.
2: It looks good. It looks good outside of, uh, like, Kansas City, outside of Arrowhead. It rocks. I love the look. I agree. And I
5: also agree with you on, like, kind of all these other teams and media talking crap down to the Brewers. Like it's like with your group of friends, you know, you guys are allowed to be as mean to each other as you want. But the second somebody that's us as Brewer fans, uh-huh. but the second, Somebody else from another friend group start ripping on your friends the same way. You're like, whoa, man, this is our guy. Yeah. And you kind of back them up. And I I think that's where we fall as, as, you know, some of the degenerate brewer fans.
2: It's just so weird. It's a paradox because on one hand, the brewers are so unserious and they're so easily memeable and they're so easy to make fun of but on the other hand like i almost trust them with my life to win baseball games <laughs> they're really good at this they're really good at finding value and developing pitchers and doing all the things a small market team needs to do it's it's an incredible reality it's yeah
5: it's 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 a fun it's i don't know what to say to that you're right
2: yeah it's just very weird and i, I, I that's probably why brewers fans are so wacky and fun but also insane is because we don't really know how to make sense of this team I think we're just all mentally ill. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, like, what's the payoff for us Brewers fans? What are we working toward? We know this team's never going to win a World Series, let's be honest. But, like, we're here. We sign up for it to get kicked in the nuts every summer. But they also win games. Like, we're getting kicked in the nuts in the playoffs. So that's certainly better than, you know, what the team was before Mark Atanasio took it over.
5: I think baseball... Um, more than any sport is one where you actually can kind of enjoy the ride. Yeah, you can enjoy the season. It's such a slow burn. You got your ups and downs, as Yelich said. So you know maybe that's why you know we just we just
2: love our boys and brew, and there's we nothing do, wrong with that. We do. Are your Diamondbacks threatening to leave? By the way, what the hell did I see today?
5: Yeah, they're kind of pulling a trick out of Mark's playbook, where you know they're leaking that they might leave to the media to get some pressure on you know the city and the state. So. I'm not putting any stock into them leaving anytime soon. We'll see what happens. But I think this was just a, kind of a, a little bit of politics, you know, putting that, that out to the press.
2: I think so too. Uh, Post game batter space tonight, Cone.
5: Uh, I don't know if this team is worth it. I mean, they just, I, I'm done even talking about them until they, they prove me wrong.
2: Fair. Totally fair. I don't know what I'll say tomorrow. I might not even talk about it tomorrow. If they lose, what is their left to say. All right, well, maybe I'll see you on Twitter after the Badgers game tonight. If they win by 25, maybe we'll have some things to talk about. I appreciate you, Cohen. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Have a good one. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. Thank you, Cohen Roller. One more call, and then we're going to take a break. Get to Tim Dillard. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Oh, man, I can't wait till
6: he talk to Tim Dillard. Love that guy. Do you really? Man, Oh, yeah. I love Tim Dillard. He's good, hey,
2: Matt. Right? This is Matt from Cross Plains, by the way. He's uh, He is cheerful and funny and genuine and always very generous with his time. I actually love Tim Dillard personally, and his content is awesome. I can't wait. I, you're a Cubs fan, so I didn't know if you were joshing me a little bit.
6: No, no. I always I always sit out uh, by him where he does his uh, little broadcast from when I go to Miller Park.
2: Oh, his little broadcast yeah. where Valley Bally Sports Wisconsin set up? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
6: Yeah, out in uh, right field there. Yeah, it's a nice nice little spot.
0: Uh, but anyway, you know, you,
6: you you suffer through the Brewers just like I suffer through the Cubs because, you know, it's baseball, you know. James Earl Jones said it best in the Field of Dreams, right? I don't know the whole quote, but, you know, that's why we go. You know, and that other guy you talked to last week, I won't even name him, talking about how bad Wrigley Field is in Wrigleyville. Oh, my gosh. Who cares? Sometimes who cares if your team sucks, Grant, okay? Who cares? You're going to go watch because you love baseball. America's pastime. Even with these new rule changes that went into place last year, people still love it. More people come into the game, and hey, you know the Brewers are good at developing pitchers too, right? So you always have something to look forward
2: to. I do have something to look forward to. I just like that there's a game on every day. I think Cone is right, and baseball is the the baseball is a sport where you can enjoy the ride even if your team stinks, because there are so many games, and no matter how bad you are, like there're going to be some great moments. And if the, if the game stinks, you could turn it off. There's another one tomorrow. I, I think that's true. The, the payoff for baseball at the end of the season doesn't need to be there. Because sometimes the, the friends that... Wait, wait, no, wait, no. The, the success of the baseball season, it's it's really about the friends that we made along the way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
6: I think. This is true. And one of the best times I had last summer was it was like a 98-degree day. I was sitting in my uh, driveway with my kids in the kiddie pool drinking a beer and listening to Bob Euchre call the Cubs-Brewers game. And it was, you know... One of the best uh, summer days I can remember. It was great.
2: Sweet summertime, as Kenny Chesney once sang about. You're not wrong, Matt. You're not wrong.
6: Yeah. He also said, you know, we all need to just get along, and I think we should all remember that in this uh, political season that is about to be come upon us you know what that's that's, that, that's, along, right? that, that's
2: really good advice and kenny chesney also once saying don't blink and matt you know like i don't want to blink and and not cherish our time together i don't want to blink and miss all the fun that we're about to have this baseball season so let's cherish the time we have together even as rivals brewers and cubs and, and let's enjoy the ride of this baseball season i'll make you that promise can all you right. make me that promise matt and cross plains
6: always the days are long but the years are short my friend all right
2: that's what they say oh have a good have a good night we're gonna get to tim dillard your boy i appreciate the call matt all
6: right talk to you soon bye
2: yeah talk to you soon don't blink because you know just like that you're six years old you take a nap you wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife don't blink you know it's 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 what kenny said it's true I feel like if I blink right now, I'm going to miss all spring training. Glad that I'm not blinking. We're going to talk with Tim Dillard next. He was outstanding when he joined me on Bill's show earlier today. Very excited to play this interview for you next. Wisco Sports Show will continue to talk brewers. We're back in five minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: show. Jim Ozarski in an hour going to join us to talk bucks. He was covering all-star weekend. He was there. I think he said second or third all-star weekend when I asked him. So he's been around. He could tell us exactly what the experience was like and how the game may be compared to games of the past. I want to talk Packers at five o'clock right now. We're talking Brewers. And I want to play for you a conversation I had earlier today on the Thrill Michael's show. The Thrill himself has been feeling a little under the weather this week, so I've been doing my best to keep the show going. Tim Dillard, Valley Sports, Wisconsin, longtime Brewer. This was an outstanding conversation. Enjoy. Tim Dillard is here now, longtime member of the Brewers organization. And, uh, Tim, I got to say, I've really started to enjoy, not that I never did, but I've really started to enjoy when you've been on Valley Sports broadcasts, whether as an analyst or, or a member of the, the in-game broadcast, like you've really started to do an awesome job. I'm hoping to get a lot more of you this year. I tip my cap to you, sir. That's
4: awesome. I appreciate it. You made... You may be in the minority in that way, but... <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, and it's that attitude, because I'm the same way. I love a good self-deprecating... You know, in the media, Tim, everyone's so so high and mighty. In the media, we have to remember how to make fun of ourselves. I think that's a very important trait.
4: Absolutely, and, you know, it, people call it the Bob Euchre approach, but, you know, it, it makes people smile. Yeah. You know, it makes people laugh, and it, and it makes you approachable, and it makes you not take things too seriously, and so... That's kind of the way I've always been, and you know, hopefully, it comes across in a good fashion when it when it comes to the TV part.
2: It definitely does. You're very well-liked. Brandon Woodruff, very well-liked. We've heard for years, and it's easy to see on the TV, like it's it's not a difficult conclusion to draw for fans, that he's a huge part of that clubhouse and a great teammate to be around. The Brewers announced earlier this week that he's going to be back on a two-year deal. He'll be rehabbing this year and then back, hopefully pitching in some capacity next year. Nothing is known with an injury like that, but can you speak maybe in a little more detail to the role that Brandon Woodruff has played in that clubhouse, and what kind of a teammate and what kind of a Brewer he's been, maybe uh, speak to some things that Brewers fans we can't see just watching the games on TV. What's been your experience with Brandon?
4: Oh, he's awesome. Uh, we were teammates in AAA for a little bit, and he—he um, he, what you see like in the media, like when he does interviews, that's exactly how he is. He's a very transparent guy, very honest, um, and he loves baseball. And he's one of those competitors that. Honestly, they're, they're, they're not growing on trees. He gets the ball. He wants the ball. He wants to throw every pitch, throw every inning. Uh, back when he was able to swing a bat, he wanted to hit. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. he was he's just a competitor, and you knew that from day one meeting him. Um, and it's, uh, to me, I'm not surprised. I, I'm, I am ecstatic that the Brewers are making good moves. I've seen a lot of good moves from the Brewers in this offseason, and this one right here is huge. Um, I actually reached out to Woodruff uh, just to kind of see, you know, if I'm allowed to share anything or what I'm not allowed to share. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have no idea when these, these talks started, right? Like what happened recently? Was this a recent thing Did this? Was this a conversation in November? How long did they know about this? Maybe all that stuff will come out. Who knows? Um, But I would say he's excited. Uh, He said his recovery is going great so far. He's already back on a throwing program. And so, the Brewers are going to do their due diligence here, and they've got to be aware of his progress. So this is a huge win for the Brewers, for Brandon personally, which everybody that has met him yeah. um, knows how awesome he is. But he, he is now in that leadership-type role, right? He's been around. He's had all this experience. And just because he's not on the mound pitching, that competitor that we've seen, uh, he's such a huge influence in that clubhouse. This is a big win all the way around.
2: This is... This move surprised me, surprised me for a couple of reasons. Number one, this happens in sports and not just in baseball, where a team will cut a player to save money or in this instance, non tender a player to save money. And then it's reported and said, well, we can always bring him back in a different number. But it very rarely ever happens. So I was skeptical that this was going to happen because we've seen this, you know, over and over and over. And it rarely works out like this for team and for player. And also, Tim, like it would have been really easy for the Brewers to tell Brewers fans, look, we just couldn't risk the money. As much as we love Brandon, we're a small market team. We have to be sharp with our money. Brewers fans understand that, and this would have been a, a very easy move for the Brewers not to make. I give them all the credit in the world, and I tip my cap to Mark Outnacio and Matt Arnold and the Brewers organization for finding a way to get this done.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't make sense if he's going to miss the year and then for, for them to pay him. I mean, this is a move that everybody would make in baseball. It's it's a kind of you know it's tough to make, but it's the right move for any club. You know, it it doesn't matter if you're the Yankees or the Dodgers or Brewers or Oakland. It doesn't matter Um, that just the way it's drawn up, it's an unfortunate situation. But what I would like to think, and I have no basis for this, is that they told him, hey, we can't sign you to this, but be patient with us. Let's look for a multi-year thing going forward. So he may get paid the same amount, but let's do it over two years rather than just the one year that you're going to miss. So. Uh, I mean, if he was open to that, I don't know if that was the case. But you got to know that conversations were going on. And, um, you know, it's it's, like I said, this business, it's amazing. It's an amazing job to have. But at the same time, you have very little control over what you can do as a player. Um, Mm -hmm. Like look at Corbin Burns. He got traded, didn't even know he was going to get traded, right? So unless you're one of these big guys that signs like a, you know, no trade, 10-year, 15 bajillion dollars for the rest of us, You kind of just you go out there, you do the best you can, uh, and in a lot of ways, you don't really have a lot of say so. And so, for him to sit there and go, "Yes, I want to come back, get what he wants—a two-year deal." Everybody's happy. uh, This is going to be huge. And honestly, I mean, I'm kind of maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I looked up, you know, just kind of the time frame when it comes to his injury, and if if it goes minimum, honestly, he could be back maybe as early as June.
2: Interesting. So I, I wanted to ask you about the injury, and I don't know your injury history, like what experiences, what injuries you had in your career. But at the very least, as a pitcher, you've been around baseball forever, you can help us understand a little bit of, of an injury like this. It's sure. it got to be difficult to have to basically start from scratch again as a starting pitcher because the process, the, the ramp-up period, we always hear about that. You need to work your arm into the shape to pitch at the level and pitch with the frequency that these starters do. And when you have an injury and you have to stop throwing completely, you have to basically start again from ground zero and build all the way back up. So tell us what that process is like for a pitcher, the challenges that Woodruff is going to face and and what he's going to have to overcome to return to form after this injury. Wow, this is that's a big question.
4: <laughs> uh, well, he had his surgery in October and it was to repair of the interior capsule, which basically he was probably just giving a little bit of too much movement. Um, it was, it's not staying put, you know, a lax, Those ligaments, a lot of times that capsule will just move around more than it should. Um, I actually had a labrum in my left shoulder, my non-throwing shoulder, uh, torn and had it repaired by Dr. Andrews in 2001. He's pretty famous. Um, And the guy that did Woodruff's surgery, Dr. uh, Mester, he actually studied under Andrews. And so he does everybody's, you know, most of the Tommy Johns, but a lot of shoulders. You start looking at uh, Verlander, um, Tandy Alcantara, like a lot of these guys, that's who they're going to. And so that's who did the surgery. And uh, it looks like from 9 to 12-month recovery for this, it's all about getting to the point where a doctor says you're healthy. And then after that, it's kind of like, okay, you put in the hard work, you finally got the okay, but then it's that psychological factor of do I really let this go? Sure. Do I really let this eat? And so for the fact that he's actually throwing right now is huge. It's huge. I don't know if he's throwing... You know, a flat ground. I doubt it. I don't know if he's long tossing. I doubt that. But just that he's doing those movements is going to help that psyche of going. Okay, I know how to do this now. It's all about strengthening and getting that feel back. And honestly, we're here in mid-February, and this could be a totally different story in the next three or four months of just something amazing. And like I said, when I had a labrum tear, I had the pocket, the actual capsule, shrunk as well. Um, Coming back injury and from swinging a bat and that was 20 something odd years ago <laughs> yeah and I, and I can look at my own time frame and, the, and guys that i know that have gone through a similar surgery and i mean you you have to know that the brewers um are well aware of what's going on and i think the biggest thing on the hot stove billy Ripken said it best like now the brewers are in charge of that rehab They're in charge of knowing what's going on, what he can and can't do, rather than, hey, let's leave this all to chance for a few months. He has to do everything himself, and then suddenly, hey, let's take a chance and call him, and maybe the Brewers don't know exactly what they're getting or where he's been and how he's been rehabbing. So this, like I said, this is a win-win,
2: and I couldn't be more excited for him. It was very exciting when I saw the news from... from Heyman yesterday around 9 o'clock. I was smiling ear to ear in my car. We're here with Tim Dillard, Valley Sports Wisconsin, longtime brewer. brewer. Uh, they have a lot of possible starting pitchers. I don't know how good any of them are. I know what Freddie Peralta is, and I, I think I know what Wade Miley is. But other than that, you know, Aaron Ashby, D.L. Hall, Jacob Junis, Jansen Junk. Uh, you go down the list, Robert Gasser, Jake Mizarowski, A lot of guys, Colin Ray, we don't really know what they're going to be How does a club go about the process of boiling down their rotation and figuring, okay, these are the guys that are going to be our starters. These guys are going to end up in this role at this level. How do you go from a large quantity of pitchers to to boiling down to your roster and figuring out where everyone's going to fit?
4: Yeah, I was on Instagram today, and I saw some random baseball picture of, like, the 2004 Chicago Cubs rotation. Yeah, It was, like, Clement. It was – who else was on there? Dembrano. Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, Greg Maddox. So, if you're a starting pitcher going to big league camp and you look around and you see those five horses, you're kind of like, well, 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 great. I'll just hang out in AAA, right? <laughs> uh, the Brewers don't have that. They have Peralta's in there, Wade Miley's in there. Who, both of those have had you know problems with injuries in the past. But you have to, you have to come out of spring training with eight starters. Honestly, you got to have eight guys that are ready to go. Um, and, and then it's about pick and choose who does the best. But then you also have Colin Ray, who ate up a ton of innings. But that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Who's going to eat up all these innings? And so now you have a bunch of hungry pitchers, all that you just named, all knowing that, hey, I have a real, real shot at making this. I mean, it's not like... Uh, hey, we you know we got five or six good starters, and and now we're just waiting for some fillers. No, these you're fighting for a spot, and I guarantee that's what they've been told. Hey, you do the best in spring training, you are going to be there on the roster opening day, yeah. and that is what every player wants to hear. They don't want to know, hey, you're going to be backup to the backup to the backup. Which that's what I was, kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you
6: know,
4: the the bat boy sitting in the bullpen just waiting. No, these guys have a legitimate shot. Doesn't matter how much experience they've had. Hey, we need people that are going to stay healthy, uh, pitch us good innings, and get a lot of good experience. So this is fun. This is fun. I, I bet they are having a blast right now uh, just knowing that they have all these guys fighting for two, maybe three spots, depending on what they try to do coming out of spring training as far as the rotation five or six man. Uh, This is a good place to be. This is where you find out a lot about the players. I always think about, you ever watch the movie Dark Knight, right, mm-hmm. the Joker?
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, he takes that pool stick. And, he snaps his oh and he's like God. we only got room we only got room for one of you guys like you want people to sit there and fight for it the last thing you want to do is just here you have a jersey this is your job you have it this is it's all locked up for you uh, young fella no you want him to earn it and you want him to fight for it and
2: i think that's what they're going to get in spring training well, and it's a genuine competition too, right? When these guys yeah. know that they, if yeah. they pitch well, they're actually going to get a starting pitching spot instead of you know being behind the eight ball. And even if I pitch great, the, the odds likely aren't great. Like there are actual spots up for grabs, which is going to make it competitive and, and very fun camp. Uh, I agree. Absolutely.
4: L- yeah. Absolutely. Listen, I've had I've been a part of it. I've I've pitched really well, and it's like okay, well you're not going to make it. I've seen guys pitch really well and they should have made it. It's like no, we'll put you in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you you try to devise it up of like, well, how is this all going to work? This is, this is a real shot. This is, a, is several real shots. And, and it's, it's palpable. like It's tangible. They can feel that. Um, and it's not just hypothetical of, hey, you may be the guy. Uh, cool. No, you will be the guy if you show it.
2: What's your sense? we got about two minutes. I don't want to keep you much longer. But what's your sense of that third outfield spot? Between Yelich and Churio, you assume going to eat up a lot of that outfield between left and center. And then between Mitchell Freelick Weimer. There's only one other spot I see. freelick's doing stuff in the infield, which it doesn't surprise me. That I mean, he just seems really naturally gifted as a defender. It doesn't make it doesn't make me surprised at all that he could slide in and and do okay there. What do you think of those three guys and and where they shake out at least in camp and at the beginning of the year?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, similar to the pitchers. I mean, it's most of the spots are locked up, sure, but um, there's no. There's no guarantee that Chirio makes it. I think everyone assumes he's going to make it. I think it's probably a fair shot to say he will. Um, But honestly, I think Garrett Mitchell gets overlooked probably more than anybody. Just because he he was playing some really good baseball, got hurt, and then didn't come back to the end of the year. So it kind of, you know, you kind of get pushed to the margins a little bit. Uh, But he's an exceptional player. I mean, a very impactful player that now has, you know, several good months in the big league. So. I don't know. I, if, if, if Cheerios is not going to be opening day center fielder, I got it being Garrett Mitchell. Um, if Freelick can do the infield and he, you know, is, is but you got to have his bat. got to have Freelick's bat in the lineup. But saw a video yesterday of Joey Weimer taking batting practice. Love that swing. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yep. Love it. He toned it down. This is This is what they probably told him hey you have to start making some better contact we got to cut down that swing we saw the same thing similar to a bryce harper when bryce harper came up to the big leagues for the first time huge long swing uh he did well at times as soon as pitchers figured him out it was okay you need to make an adjustment and he cut that swing down you have to make those adjustments now you're seeing these young guys make it in just a few months over the off season so i don't know i I, who would I? Who would I write down and put in a sealed envelope on what the lineup's going to look like? I don't really know. Anything can happen in spring training, um, but I think it's a great idea for freelick to to explore the infield as well. It's only going to make his stock go higher. Uh, and the fact that he got to work with D- Dustin Pedroia, I mean, even yeah. if he's not a you know, even if he doesn't play the infield and plays outfield every single you know time he plays all season long, he's gotten better. Just mentally talking to a guy that's been there, done that. Uh, and it's going to help his bat as well, hanging around guys like that.
2: Man, I'm amped for this Brewers season. There's so much to be excited about, and it's you know, it's not. I'm always excited for baseball, but you lose your manager to arrival, and and things seem to be a pretty major league bummer a couple months ago, and and all of the moves that they've made, and all the exciting developments over the last couple of weeks. I'm I'm just amped for the start of baseball. Tim, thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy spring training. I can't wait to hear your voice on the broadcast, and I can't wait for Brewers baseball to start.
4: Yeah, yeah I appreciate it, Grant. Thanks, man.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter. Wisco Grant. If you'd like to call the show, going to get back into taking some calls here after five o'clock. 608-321-1670. Huge thank you to Tim Dillard. The Packers wide receiving core, the Brewers group of pitchers, starting pitchers, out getters, middle relievers, right? The group of pitchers that could be starters. I think there's a lot of similarities. Dobbs, Watson, Reed, Wicks. Like I know all four of those guys are good. I don't know if Christian Watson can be great, but I'm pretty sure those four guys are good. And between Bo Melton, Malik Heath, Grant DeBose, I'm pretty sure there's another good guy in there. Gives us four or five guys. Same with the Brewers starting pitchers. Like, I think Freddie Peralta can be great if he stays healthy. Aaron Ashby, I own a lot of stock. D.L. Hall, Jacob Junis, Jansen Junk. We kind of know what Colin Ray is. We saw that last year. I feel, like we, I feel like we know what that is. Is there a great guy in that group? What about Robert Gasser and Jacob Mizrowski? I don't know. I, I just think with the Packers group of young wide receivers and with the Brewers starters, middle relievers, out getters, whatever, whatever you want to call him, he's got to get in. You let, let him play, let him compete, and let it sort itself out. You need to let the Brewers pitchers sort itself out. And what? Tim Dillard said, and I very much believe, and what I agree with, is that it's going to be a genuine competition in spring training for spots in the starting rotation. I know Wade Miley and Freddie Peralta is going to be there. Do we know about any of these other guys beyond a shadow of a doubt? No, I'd I'd like to be pretty confident that Aaron Ashby is going to be in there. I'd like to be pretty confident that um, Colin Ray is going to be in there. But if Aaron Ashby gets blown away by two or three other guys in camp, then he could lose his spot in the rotation. There are truly spots up for grabs, which makes for a genuine, like, exciting competition. Nothing worse than, like, a formality audition or a formality tryout. This is not a formality. There's spots up for grabs. It's going to make for a really exciting spring training, really exciting camp. Let's take a two minute break and an update. We'll continue the Wisco Sports Show next.
0: to the Eastern Conference All-Stars. You scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. This
1: is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: I heard that clip of Adam Silver a couple times now. I still don't really know what he's <laughs> what he's going for. He scored the most points. Well, here's the trophy. Like, are we doing the trophy presentation or not, Adam? You don't have to be happy about the effort or lack thereof, I suppose, in the All-Star game, but that was just weird. That was bizarre. Like, I think of uh, bands from the 70s that would have trouble, and they would, you know, go through fights and break up. Like, I think of the Eagles, Like, yeah, you guys can break up. You can have disagreements. Don't do it on stage. Don't do it at the trophy presentation now that everyone's paying attention. It's going to get clipped to oblivion, put on Twitter. Everyone's going to see it. You guys scored the most points. Well, here you go. Like, what the (laughs) what is that? Adam Silver's so weird. And for everybody that's up Adam Silver's butt this week about the All-Star game, Adam Silver's got a lot of problems. The All-Star Game is not near the top of the list. This man's got bigger fish to fry. Because for all the complaint about the effort and the the lackadaisical nature of the All-Star game, the regular season games aren't that much better. So those are the games that are act you know, those actually count. So I think Adam Silver's got to deal with those. I want to talk about the Bucks. We might do that a little bit closer to five thirty. That's when uh, Jim Ozarski's gonna stop by Journal Sentinel. Their embedded Bucks reporter. He was in Indianapolis for the All-Star break. Although, when he said earlier today, I asked him about it, he's like, well, it's not really a break. It's like, okay, break for some teams, not for all players, certainly not for reporters. What do you mean, a long weekend in Indianapolis? That didn't get your your motor running, Jim? (laughs) We're going to connect with him at 5.30. I have some comments, weird comments to play from Doc Rivers. In the meantime, if you have anything to say about the Brewers or about the Packers, I'd love to take your calls as well. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this?
7: Grant, how are we doing? I'm doing good,
2: Vagabond John. How are you this evening? Big game tonight at the Kohl Center. I'm trying not to think about it, honestly. That's why I haven't been bringing it up.
7: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of news lately. I did want to shout out Darnell the Chump again. You know, we called in yesterday, both talking about the banking industry, and you have Capital One acquiring Discover. Couldn't believe it when I saw it this morning, so shout out. Does that change? uh,
2: I have a Discover card. Does that change anything for me? Do I need to? be in the know i don't follow the financial uh developments in our country
7: probably not but potentially it, it, it mm-hmm. might they might just reissue a new card i might see capital one instead of discover but i mostly
2: I, to, to be, be fair revealed. it's it's, it's, it's mostly my backup card i mostly use my american express platinum when i go out but sometimes if you know if for whatever reason i use my discover card
7: Well, you know, for those of you who are big into banking, check out bankingdive.com. Our editorial is saying this is the biggest news since 2019, so get excited.
2: Interesting. On to sports. I I get super excited for big banks of all businesses in our country. That gets me fired up, so I'll have to read about that tonight. All right, continue. Sports.
7: Sports, yeah. Cole Center, um, I have a take. Uh, First of all, updating everybody, no, I will not be walking uh, on a little bit of a limited uh, participation this week in practice. (laughs) <laughs> ankles a little sore, so definitely not going to be walking to the I game. Was, again I was, was going to ask you
2: that, by the way. You sounded like you were maybe walking or doing something. I was like, are you walking to the Col Center again, dude? I am walking now. But um, this is a big game, and I think,
7: you know, after today, right, here's the stakes. If we win, it's going to further divide the Wisconsin basketball fan base because you're going to be people saying, look at the Band-Aid is on. We're back on the road. This team can still be dangerous in March. But if if we lose this game against Maryland, who's not a great team this year. They're, not, no. you know, they're pretty much your average Big Ten team. If we lose, I think we're going to see some of the, you know, fence sitters start to hop on. So talked a lot about it in the morning show this morning. It seems like people are mostly consensus. Greg Gard needs another year with this young team. But if we lose again, man, it's getting a – it's getting a little dire. I do like the 98% chance to make the NCAA tournament cuz you know, 2% what could possibly go wrong.
2: I mean, let's say the Badgers come out tonight and they lose and they do a lot of the same things that they've been doing and it's a lot more of the same. I, I love me some Greg Gard, but at some point it's like dude, you got to be able to stop the slide. You got to be able to reach your guys and speak to them and and stop a losing streak, right? And I yeah. like I'm certainly not gonna come on the air and defend Greg Gard tomorrow if that happens.
7: Yeah, and it's a young team, and with a young team what you'll love to see is growth over the course of the season. And, you know, granted there have been injuries at some key positions, right? Blackwell's been out for a little bit here, but I don't know. I just think for a young team, you like to see that development. The problem for Greg Gard is we saw what the team looks like when all things are clicking. Right. When the train's on the tracks, man, this team looks like a top five team in the country. And so you see that potential. You see the shiny object. Because if you look back at our preseason expectations, we weren't thinking we were winning the Big Ten. Hell no. We had no idea what the team was going to look like. Problem for Greg Gard is we saw it and now we want the consistency. Right. We saw the shiny object. Why don't I get it? It's like when Charter gives you that 400 megabytes per second internet and it's just absolutely wheeling a deal and dealing. everybody in the house on their xbox no problems all of a sudden they bring it back to reality at the 90 standard
2: Ah, oh, man i want to get back to that 400 it's a problem so i don't need them to win every game that they play i don't think it's unreasonable for fans to expect like you can lose to one of rutgers in michigan you can lose to one of iowa or Ohio. you know what i mean like I understand maybe they could come back down to earth a little bit. Maybe they weren't the sixth best team in the country, but this is, this isn't acceptable. I don't care how much they overperformed. And by the way, the same thing happened last year. They got off to a great start and we saw them perform early on and, and they, they they won some one score games. They should have beat. What was the team? They, they lost to on like a, like an offensive rebound at the last second. It was around Christmas around the holidays. I don't even remember, but this isn't that dissimilar to what happened last year. Like they could come back down to earth a little bit, but they shouldn't collapse like this.
7: Yeah, it's the mid-season collapse that becomes a growing trend. And as a coach, that's just absolutely telling of your staff. Um, take that Ben Kenny will not like. I am all the way back in on 8 p.m. tip-offs. Uh, being able to go to the gym, about to get home, making a little chicken fajitas for dinner, going to relax a little bit. We're going to leave for the Coliseum Center on 730 for a late-night, you know, weeknight game. 8 p.m. is really nice, as opposed to that 6 p.m. You get off work, you absolutely have to haul, you know, to get downtown in time for tip. So
2: I'm kind of in on the 8 p.m. Can you let me know how the atmosphere is tonight? It was an 8 o'clock game last time. The Ohio State game was a little sleepy last week, didn't you say?
7: It, it absolutely was. Yes, it was back-to-back Tuesdays. I'll be there. Uh, we'll absolutely do some live reporting. Last Good. last take here, mm-hmm. Pete Lukowski, you're a monster. If the Packers trade up to draft a receiver in the top ten this year of all years, <laughs> I think Packer fans are just going to be pissed. So I know he's a troll, right? He's just like any of us, Clemhead Mike, right? Cone Roller, we know just as much about the Packers as Pete Bukowski. So he's, he's just another one of us gas bags. But, you know, he is a good engagement farm. And trading away three picks to get in the top ten to get Roma Duzier out of that's
2: just insane. So, I am anti-trading all of those picks. I am not. I, I mentioned that earlier on Bill's show. I am. I'm not down for that. Uh, Pete <laughs> Pete does study this stuff for a living. You and I are. We are not the same, as Pete once said, which was honestly a bar. And I love that he said that. I'm also all in on Ted Davis talking his smack about how his highlights in the new Giannis thing sound incredible. He basically told everyone to enjoy the show, like uh, like Will Ferrell and the debate or whatever that the campaign, whatever that movie was. I think that rules. I'm all for it. We're all in.
7: All right, Grant, I'll let it get get to it. Uh excited to hear some Packers' takes. I'm I'm ready for draft season. I was uh, yeah. a down player early in February, late February. Let's get let's get to it, especially,
2: you know, if the Badgers lose. Yeah, Stay well, especially tuned. if the Badgers lose. And you are right, Vagabond John, I appreciate you. This is not your grandpa's Maryland Terrapins. Like this is not no, this isn't even your mellow Trimble, Rashid Suleiman diamond stone. Maryland Terrapins. Forget your grandpa's Terrapins. This isn't like 2015 where they at least have one. Game. But like this team stinks. The Badgers should take care of this. We should have this wrapped up with eight minutes to go tonight. And like I don't like declaring games a must blowout, but I kind of think the Badgers have to blow out Maryland tonight. And I think if they lose, oh, God, I hate doing this. I'm not saying the fire. Well, the fire guard crowd will be out. I'm just trying to wonder if anyone will join the fire guard crowd if it happens tonight. Because, look, I understand that they probably weren't the sixth best team in the country, but you can't look like that for two months and then completely fall off the face of the earth. You come back down to earth a little bit, fine. Maybe you lose to one of Michigan or Rutgers. You can't lose to both. You lose one of Michigan, Rutgers, Iowa. You can't lose all three. Maybe you lose one of Nebraska-Purdue. I'd ideally not like to lose both, especially when you have Purdue at home and when you're up so big at Nebraska. I I just, again, I'm not asking this team to go undefeated. I am reasonable. I am nothing if not reasonable with my expectations for my Wisconsin Badger basketball team. But You can't show us how well you can play and then drop off the face of the earth for the last two months of the year. I'm not doing this in back-to-back years. So I'm not saying I'll jump on the fire guard. I won't do that, nothing like that, but... My eyebrows are going to be up, and if somebody wants to call the show tomorrow after the Badgers lose and be like, "I think we should fire guard," I'll be like, "All right, tell me more." Like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo you. I mean, I don't really poo poo anyone, but I especially won't poo poo you tomorrow. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy Wisco Sports Show. Who's this?
8: Hey Grant Ed Maguano.
2: Hey Ed, what's going on?
8: Not much. Uh, I, I was t- uh, thinking about the Badgers as well today, and um, I was kind of thinking like, it seems you know the trend that. Begabon John was talking about it kind of goes along with like what I think is their Achilles heel the past couple of years is just them losing like one or two players. Like last year was it Crowell or Wall that was hurt for a long time and we went on that skid.
2: Wall was banged up and then I think he came back before he was fully healthy and he wasn't the same version of himself. Wall. wall.
8: Yeah. yeah, and, and that, that slide just kind of continued and it, I always think like we just don't have this depth like a lot of other teams do. They lose one or two guys, and somebody just steps right in. And so Blackwell being out for a little while, and now I don't think he quite has his legs underneath him yet but he's getting there. And even Kamari Gee, to a lesser extent, but he puts in 8, 10, 12 minutes, which he's he's pretty ferocious. You know, when he plays, he's not going to score a ton of points. But he guards well, he plays good defense, and he gives Chucky a break at the same time. True. So I think the Badgers, like when they do lose one or two guys like that, it really affects them more so than other teams.
2: Okay, so that's fine. That's fine. I, I just, again, you want to lose one or two bad games, fine. But just because you lose John Blackwell for a little bit, you can't lose to Michigan, the worst team in the Big Ten, Iowa, a team that can't defend worth a damn. And record. like you can't lose all the games. You can lose one or two. It's like, all right, you're banged up. You're going through it. Every team has a, a rough patch of the season. How many times we got to talk about that? You can't completely fall off the map, and that's what they've done. So that's where I, will, I I'm not sure I even disagree with you, but I will add to the point that you just no, made, Ed. I'm
8: not saying that as an excuse for the batters. I'm saying that's a problem for the batters. Like we shouldn't go down on this slide uh, like that just because we lost one or two players. That's it's not an excuse
2: that. that you're making. It's an explanation. That's what you're saying. I see.
8: Yeah, well, and, it, and it's a it's a bad one. Like I, like I said, other teams, you know, don't seem to struggle with that. Maybe, like you said, one or two games, but we lose a couple pieces like that, and it's like all hell breaks loose, and, yeah, that shouldn't happen. So, you know, whether it's coaching or, like you said, you know, just not being able to get your guys to to, mo- to motivate, to, you know, turn it around when they need to. It's, it's really important, especially when you're talking about a tournament coming up because that's where you need to have that sort of uh, resourcefulness and, and ability to be and things like that, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I think they're going to make make a good run tonight. I think Blackwell will have a good game,
2: and uh, yeah, we'll see. I think they need to beat cheeks tonight for me to feel better. And if they win confidently tonight, I'll be like, "All right, you have my attention back." I'm not declaring anything, but like, let's see it now. Let's see you start to turn the way. Because if you stop the slide, you get a nice win tonight. You can carry that into your next game, and your next game, and your next game. You're just running out of season. Right, so if you want to do anything but backslide into the Big Ten tournament and eventually into the NCAA tournament, you got to get it started now, Ed. We're running out of time. It's almost March, baby.
8: Well, you know, and I think Chucky has really been playing excellent too. Like you know, he's going to get two, three steals a game, and there it's it's electric when he does it. You know, he's he's playing, he's firing on all cylinders. I think everybody's got to step it up.
2: He's scoring more, that's for sure. I, I need always more from Crowell, always more from Wall. It just seems that way every game. Well, I'm going to run. Ed, I appreciate you. We will uh, talk tomorrow, win or lose, I suppose. All right, sounds good. Take care. Ed and McGowan, appreciate you listening, calling. Always, Ed. I'm on Twitter, at Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608-321-1670. Let's take a break now. I want to come back. Share with you some thoughts that I had about the Packers earlier today. And then Jim Ozarski, the journal sentinel, is going to join us to talk about the Bucs and All-Star Weekend. He was down in Indianapolis. We'll talk to him at around 5:30, 530, 535, somewhere in there. Just giving you the detailed rundown in case you're planning out the next 45 minutes of your life. It's the Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back after that.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Sports show. Jim Ozarski coming up in about 10 minutes. Journal Sentinel, nice enough to join me. Give his recap. Give his accounting. I almost said give his recounting, but I don't think that I don't think that makes grammatical sense. He's gonna tell us about the time that he had in Indianapolis. Okay, covering the all-star game. Malik Beasley, Damian Lillard, Giannis, all there. Jim Ozarski will join us coming up after our next break. And a couple things I wanted to get off my chest surrounding the Green Bay Packers. You know, they hired Jeff Halfley, new defensive coordinator, and then this week it was announced, actually yesterday, I believe, late yesterday evening, uh, yeah, it was yesterday evening, the Packers hired their new strength and conditioning coach. We're going to have a guest specifically on to talk about the role of a strength and conditioning coach and the role they play in an organization. We're going to do that later this week. Someone from UWL, Exercise Sports Science Program, legendary program, by the way, in the YX system. That's coming up on Friday, but... Last night, back to the Packers, Aaron Hill, strength and conditioning coach. His resume spent the last five seasons with the 49ers. He has a degree in kinesiology, sport, and exercise science. He interned at the University of Minnesota, had an internship with the Panthers, worked at Vanderbilt, and then Kyle Shanahan hired him in 2019. That's his background. That's pro football talk. So hat tip to Florio and Shurian Williams, who did that reporting. I don't know anything about a strength and conditioning program. I don't know anything about what it means to be a strength and conditioning coach. I don't know anything about really anything, honestly. Um, I certainly don't have a background in physical therapy or exercise sports science. So I can't tell you whether Aaron Hill is going to be a good strength and conditioning coach. I don't know. I don't even know what a strength and conditioning coach does specifically. I feel like I have a general idea, but that's about it. But I love the fact that Matt LaFleur made this move in conjunction with the move Joe Barry, Jeff Halfley, defensive coordinator. Because these two moves being made pretty much in succession this offseason shows me that Matt LaFleur gets it. Okay. He gets it. So here's what I mean. Have you ever moved? Have you ever moved? you moved at some point, certainly. You moved out of your parents' house someday uh, to an apartment, to a house. Maybe you moved uh, from a smaller house to a bigger house. You upsized. Maybe you moved from a big house to a small house. Downsized, empty nesters, kids out of the house. You know, it was too much house. Couldn't keep it clean or whatever. I don't know. Everyone's moved at one point in their life. I've moved every year since twenty nineteen. Which I'm hoping this year maybe isn't the case. Either this year's gonna be the year that I don't move or the year that I move with the intention to not move again for a while. Not really sure. I need to figure that out by the time my lease is over. Anyways, we've all moved, okay? And every time that I've moved I think what what can I get rid of is there anything in in this apartment that I don't need is there anything that I need to address uh, in in my life do I need to go see the dentist do I need to go to the bank do I need to and yes most of these things I only do once a year I, I don't like doing things so when I move it's like all right, turning over a new leaf living in a new place I'm handling lease information and I'm doing all these logistical things what else should I take care of what else should I knock out at this moment in time, right? And I think the Packers are doing a little moving themselves, not from apartment to apartment or house to house or a big house to a smaller house or from a house to a dorm or vice versa. The Packers are moving from one era to the next. This offseason, they are completely and totally shifting from the Aaron Rodgers era into the Jordan Love era. And I know that that transition from quarterback to quarterback technically made last offseason, but felt like there was a little bit of a holdover. We didn't really know what Jordan Love would be. Didn't really know what Matt LaFleur would be. Going into this offseason, we have a pretty good idea. Uh, we, have a, we have a pretty good idea that Jordan Love can play in this league. We have a pretty good idea that Matt LaFleur can coach in this league, even without Aaron Rodgers. Right? So we have a better idea going into this offseason than we did last offseason that the Packers are comfortably and confidently moving into a new era. They're going from a house to uh maybe uh they're, they're going from here's here's what here's what they're doing they're going from a three-bedroom two bathroom house out in the country to a sleek uh modern uh efficiently sized townhouse right that's what they're doing they're going from the old era to the new to the young to the clean to the sleek to the cheap right I, the cheap I, I don't know housing prices I't I don't know. But you get my analogy, right? They're moving. And Matt Lafleur looked around this offseason and said, all right, transition period. We're, we're doing a little bit of moving here. What needs to be addressed? What needs to be taken care of? I've thought maybe get my own strength and conditioning coordinator, you know, making a change there. I've thought about it. I think it's time. Let's take care of it this offseason. While we're doing all of these other changes, we might as well also handle this. Right? Same with defensive coordinator. Joe Barry made a good enough case this year that he's not the worst defensive coordinator in the world. I know that's not a ringing endorsement, but coaches have been fired for a lot less and retained for a whole lot less as well. But Matt LaFleur said, "Eh, you know, we're going through a transition period. We're moving this offseason. Let's take care of it. All these things. So I don't know if Jeff is going to work out as a coordinator. I don't know if their new strength and conditioning coach, Aaron Hill, is going to work out. But I'm glad the moves were made now because to me, it's Matt LaFleur recognizing this is a good opportunity to take care of some things that maybe I've wanted to take care of. And we're changing over eras, we're changing over, might as well change this too, might as well take care of this as well. 608 1670 let's take a call, and then we'll take a break, get to Jim Ozarski, Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Ridge Runner Mark, how we doing, sir? Ridge Runner Mark, this is your neighborhood, 520, 525, this is, this is your, your your time, I love this.
0: Okay. this is, I get to ponder while I drive home and listen to you pontificate.
2: Oh, God.
0: Um, I, I think one of the great things about Matt LaFleur's Specifically, the strength and conditioning coach. I think it's a reflection of how comfortable he is, one, with Jordan Love, and two, with the state of the team overall, that he can do a deeper dive and say, okay, we know what worked. We have a sense of what didn't work. Defensive coordinator, we're going to make a change there. But let's do a deeper dive on what we can do to improve. Because as he said at the end of the year, he told his players, "Don't expect to come back and be the same as you are right now, yep. and to have the same success. We have to do better." And he looked at, and I, I've heard and I saw a little, uh, a few little, a little bit about this. The big thing with strength and conditioning was probably tied to Eric Stokes and Christian Watson and and their hamstrings and their issues with not being able to get back on the field or constantly being hurt. I believe that they and Christian might be doing this on his own. They're doing a deeper dive onto. Let's look at what isn't working and figure it out as opposed to, you know, back in the good old days, well, well, man, he's just injury prone. Time to move on. So let's figure this out. And Matt LaFleur is comfortable enough with a lot of the other details that are going on that he's going to focus on that and say, no, we need you two guys. Let's figure out what's wrong and let's fix it. And we have the opportunity to do that because he's comfortable with everything else or a lot of the other things that are going on. Then now he's like, "Okay, this is the detail that is going to help put us over the hump. This is the detail that I want to focus on and get this right, so we have one less problem to worry about." If that makes
2: sense? No, it totally makes sense. And I, again, in, in an off season of change and transition, it's a little bit like moving. Like, what do we need to address? What if what's been weighing on my mind, kind of in the background, but I've been ignoring it, but I'm putting it off? This was a great off season for Matt Lafleur, who's kind of reestablished himself now as as a guy that can coach and a guy that can lead. Matt LaFleur to look around and say, what do I need to address? What do I need to wrap my arms around? And he's absolutely doing that. You're right, Ridge Runner Mark.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that the the hiring or the getting rid of the strength and condition was huge because if you look at it, we've always complained about people getting hurt. And every team does it, but it just feels like maybe it's just, you know, bias because we're Packer fans. Packers have always had injury issues. I mean, it didn't it didn't bother us in 2011 because we actually had a ton of injuries, but we still won the Super Bowl. But we're always getting people hurt. They're always getting hurt. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, Iron Man, so to speak, for forever. And then he kept getting hurt. And then you lose Aaron Jones and this happens and another player you lose. And and it's just like, what can we do to try to address that? And and instead of, well, we're going to look into that and we're going to look at that, it's like, nope, we're starting from scratch. And here we go. And I I think that's more important than even getting a better, a different uh, defensive coordinator.
2: Well, I think it's right up there. I don't think Joe Barry was the worst defensive coordinator in the world. I just think you could do Uh a little better. And I I think you could do with a guy that fits this team a little bit better, a little younger, a little different, right? I want a team that's going to grow together. And that's not to say that you can't do it with a, with a defensive coordinator that's not seasoned. Like Wade Phillips with the Rams was really good, but you see now that this team is all kind of the same age and they're, they're rowing in the same direction how much better the vibes were compared to the last couple of years? Like, it's easy to see. That applies to coaches, too.
0: Yep. Well, and, he's, and, and since he's coming from the college ranks, he knows, quote-unquote, the kids of this last four or five years. So he's got a good sense of how he can work with those kids sure. um, and now work with, with you know guys who probably have a little bit better of handle things than college players, but he still understands the communication path. Yeah. So that's just going to be a bonus as well.
2: Got to be able to connect with these kids and reach these kids. That's what Jeff Halfley's got to be able to do. That's a very niche reference, but one that I felt I I needed to make. I appreciate you, Ridge Runner Mark. I got to get you a guest. Have an awesome night, okay? Take care, man. Ridge, Ridge Runner Mark, take care. Underrated caller, Ridge Runner Mark. Ridge Runner Mark is never mentioned. You know, I talk to people about the show like, yeah, you have great callers. You know, Dave from Manona is wild. And Eric on I-90 is a little little wild. And you know, Ridge Runner Mark is just, Ridge Runner Mark's just been bringing it for like the last three or four months. Like every time he calls, I'm like, damn, that was good. Like that was, <laughs> was really good. Underrated caller, Ridge Runner Mark. Let's take a five-minute break. Jim Ozarski, Journal Sentinel. He was at the All-Star Game. He was at all the festivities. He's going to report live on what he saw with Giannis, Dame, Beasley, the whole kit and caboodle. The All-Star break is a whole Indianapolis, all of it. We'll talk with Jim next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Sports Show. Appreciate you listening and I appreciate you putting up with me this week as if you have a choice. I would do a Bill's show. He's out. He's under the weather. You, surprise! It's two, it's, you get me for two more hours. Uh, and I'm starting to lose my mind. I, I say this as a joke, but it's also literally the truth. I, I sit in a padded room for six hours a day. I think I'm starting to lose my mind. I'm getting bent out of shape about Brewers Cubs narratives. I'm defending Doc Rivers, which I never thought I'd do in my life. It's not really a defensive Doc. It's more of a, I don't want to hear it from J.J. Redick, of all people, type of thing. So maybe we'll talk more about all those topics tomorrow. We're going to begin to wind down the show with Jim Ozarski, who is in Indianapolis. He joined me earlier today to wrap up Bill's show, and the conversation was great. A lot of good information about the weekend and about what comes next for the Bucks. Here's Jim. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Jim, welcome back from Indy. How was the All-Star break? How were the festivities? Did you enjoy? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it wasn't a break,
4: um, you know, but I'm definitely not, uh, along with my brethren with, which seems to be just this echo chamber of complaints. I mean, it was <laughs> fine. It, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard wins, represents Milwaukee, right? Um, yeah. wins these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear from him, you know, coming out of this thing in Minneapolis here, you know, maybe, you know, he can pull something out of that you know, and, and bring that in the last 26 games.
2: Yeah, so the three-point contest, he was the winner, then hit some bombs in the All-Star game. I kind of thought, and I, I was saying right before I brought you in, I kind of thought that it was Halliburton's moment. You always assume, especially in an instance where the the All-Star game is in a market like Indy and they have a star like Halliburton, you just kind of figure that maybe he would be the guy that gets more shots and because the all-star game is a very weird thing. Like anybody can shoot at any time, but it seems that there's this unspoken thing like, Oh, you got it going. You keep shooting or it's your home city. You keep shooting. It's, it's a very weird game filled with kind of unwritten understandings between these players. It's very bizarre.
4: Yeah. And, and look, you know, um, especially when Tyrese had five straight threes in the first quarter, it, you know, then he had a, a heat check. You he went a little further out and he missed, and it, it sort of felt like, all right, you know, yeah, Tyrese, the Oshkosh native his you know, his team, the Pacers had won the the team skills challenge the night before, Benedict Matherin had won the MVP of the the rising stars on Friday. So uh, yeah, it seemed to be all lining up, but it was also clear though that Damien wanted this thing. And, and as he said, after the fact, you know, when he walked in, he's like, well, why not win it? And you know, I think it's, it's a weird push and pull of, you know, when one of these guys decides that's what they want, like yeah. Giannis,
8: what he wanted,
4: Giannis clear like Giannis wanted to win the MVP in the Kobe year. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. Um, and then, you know, he didn't miss a shot and, and it was clear he wanted that. And we haven't really quite seen him play the same way, you know, in these, these ensuing years. So it's, Damian clearly wanted that to happen, and uh, you know, good for him. He he got it.
2: Was there a lot of grumbling between you and your you know your media brethren, your other beat reporters, maybe national NBA guys? I mean, I watched it at home, and it was an All Star game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't play much defense. They jack a lot of threes. I didn't think too much of it. The reaction from a lot of NBA voices on Twitter that I saw very strong, right? Kind of condemning this thing, and then Adam Silver after the game, his. Award presentation to Giannis and the Eastern team. It was it was very awkward. I I, I don't know. I didn't really have a problem with the All Star game, but my expectation of an NBA All Star game at this point could not be lower. Help me understand, maybe how some of you guys you're in the know, you have history with this thing, how you guys perceived it on Sunday night.
4: Yeah, I mean that that's part of you know the squabbling was the, the sort of national uh, hand ringing, and it is national hand ringing over. The, the lack of competitiveness and and look um the league sets the tone with that i think you know the fact that adam was pretty clear with um being unhappy with lack of competition changing it back to the traditional format was maybe a way to get these guys more invested you know talking about a partnership or conversations with the players association and so the fact that it you know, 24 hours after he holds his State of the Union and talking about this and how, you know, the All-Star weekend is generally perceived as a success or failure based on the game. You know, Indianapolis, oh, it's great on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Game sucks. Oh, Indianapolis sucked. Like, like he mentioned that, and, and it is true to a degree because the game is hooked to the host city. Yeah. and. if if it's remembered as whatever, like that, that, that's, I don't know if it's a stain, but it's, it's attached. And yeah, like, and and again, there are local beat writers there. I was there because there were a couple, you know, Malik Beasley in the three point competition, but it's not the full contingent of, of locals. Right. So it's a more national um, uh, collection of writers and broadcast and international media. And yeah, you know, if Adam wanted a competitive game, that did not happen, um, and clearly he was unhappy with that. And I think, how does that not trickle down? And I, I don't know, Matt Grant. I, I, look, the the Pro Bowl finally went to Flag. You know, like yeah. it, it is, it is what it is. And I hate, I know people hate that phrase, but the days of these things mattering are lost and they're gone and it has nothing to do with player a b and c right now it just it's the nature of the sports plural Because tell me an all-star game that's any good um and it's just they're just trying to figure out ways to make their television partners a little happier and maybe they'll find it but I, i i agree i the bar is low um there were some fun moments there were some funny moments. I, like to me, that's all you can kind of ask for. I think as a
2: as a viewer, I would tend to agree. And I know there are folks that have watched the NBA. Like I pulled up this morning when I was having breakfast and, and drinking coffee and getting ready to come in. Like I watched a lot of the 1993 All Star Game on YouTube and I'm like wow okay so people who do talk about how it used to be better and it used to matter more it did and I don't know if that's just my generation as I'm 25 and I'm a similar age to a lot of these you know I'm a little bit on the younger side but this is more my generation maybe they just don't care as much I I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily a problem or a problem that can be solved it's it's just the reality Jim Ozarski's here one more all-star specific question then I want to talk about the bucks coming out of the break the all-star break or the all-star game I should call it was in Indianapolis. This week is a very good opportunity for the NBA to occasionally highlight markets that don't get a lot of national shine. Milwaukee wants to host one of these things at some point. Do you think the NBA does a good job of of promoting and celebrating a market like Indianapolis when they get to host an all-star game? Or do you think that that's something that NBA voices and people within the league could do a better job of?
4: No, I, I do think the league really does a spectacular job with that. I was in my third all-star game. Now Cleveland a couple of years ago was a little different in that they were unveiling the top 75. And so um, I, I don't know if Cleveland as a city got a ton of shine because it was, but I mean, their reward was the top 75. I mean, Michael Jordan showed up, right. And, and LeBron was back. And so, you know, maybe we didn't get a whole lot of rock and roll hall of fame stuff, but like they got that um salt lake city last year i thought was was showcased in indiana and indianapolis in particular their their history with the game of basketball um you know bucks legend oscar robertson I, i've got connections to oscar when i worked in cincinnati when he went to university of cincinnati uh they you know he he got a statue um for his role in you know breaking color barriers uh desegregation free agency i mean Larry Bird was out, they, I mean, if you were a Bucks, if this was Milwaukee, you know, there was a timeout break where they brought out every single living Pacers All-Star. And this includes Brad Miller, who played for one year in India, and went to an All-Star, I mean, there were a couple of guys who I'd never heard of, you know, and they got their love. And, and I think the, the city and the state were really, really well represented. I, I believe that also was the case in Salt Lake City. So whenever Milwaukee gets it, and, and I do believe it'll happen, uh, the, you know, we'll find out if there are any bucks at that point who can be in the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, I do believe that whenever that occurs, Milwaukee and Wisconsinites for sure will feel like the league is recognizing the city and, and the state in that way.
2: That's cool. I wish it could have happened a little sooner. And, and who knows, maybe Giannis and... Maybe some of these guys are still here, and maybe the Bucs still have a similar feel. I don't know. It, it kind of feels like right now is when I would love for this to be happening, and Pfizer is beautiful, and the area is great. Well, we'll see. You know, we can cross that bridge when we get there. If I was Doc, Jim, and you, and you tell me if this is a crazy way to think about it. If I was Doc, I would get the team together this week, and as we rejoin and begin... I would just treat this week as, as opening day. We're zero and zero again. Don't worry about anything that happened pre-All-Star break. We're going to start from scratch with this roster, now with Patrick Beverly and not campaign with this coach and not Adrian Griffin. Is that possible? Is that an approach that you think would make sense? Well, what is Doc's message now coming out of the break to his guys?
4: So it, this is interesting. Um, they they are off until essentially Wednesday. Um Because, look, Damian, Giannis, Malik had to work this weekend. You know, they just got home, (laughs) you know, when I did. Um, And I do think, you know, they're they're, they're not going to do anything today, tomorrow. Um, They're actually going to Minneapolis and going to get some work in up there, um, a real practice. Probably the only, I don't know how Doc's going to approach it, But if they want to go live, Grant, five-on-five, if they want to push it physically, this is probably the only practice they can do that um, because all the other guys have been off since they left Memphis. And, you know, obviously, who knows what that will mean against the Timberwolves and the number one team in the West. Could be another blowout, but I don't think that really matters to them. I think, now we'll see, so... And the fact that they're doing it there as opposed to home also makes me think, to your point, Doc is like, okay, we're leaving Milwaukee. We're going to spend time together Wednesday night. We're going to have this practice in whatever fashion on Thursday. We're together Thursday night. Like, it's sort of – I'm curious to see how Doc positions it, but it feels like that reset, um, a true reset in a way – um, because, again, if they're able to squeeze in a practice, again, Grant, by between now and April 14th, I mean, it's going to be it's, – it's not going to be live, you know. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, Danilo Gallinari should be with the team. I mean, the, the full makeup should be together in Minneapolis, um, assuming that becomes official before they, they get out on any planes. Um, but, yeah, I, I would think this is – okay. You know, Doc's had a chance now. 10 games he gets these days you know to map stuff out um you know again i don't know how that's going to play out in minneapolis against the wolves but you know i i do feel like that's that's got to be the thought you know heading into this week
2: interesting it's got to get better right like make me feel a little bit better about where we're going to go over the next two weeks because there are people throwing dirt on on this team and doc like this hire is a failure jj reddick's you know doing jj reddick things on television like people are smarter than than assuming that the bucks are cooked and this hire isn't working and the season's done right like come on
4: yeah so look doc the bucks obviously extolled the virtues of hiring doc rivers 25 years experience yep you know, all these wins. Well, the downside to 25 years of experience and all those game seven losses and 3-1 blown leads is there is a lot of baggage, right? And and Doc just does not have the best national perception. Um, and, I, you know, the championship, everyone gives them that, but on that talking point national level, that was a very long time ago. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, some of it, Chris Livingston was a small child. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, um, so there's a lot of baggage between then and now I think, and and there's nothing you can do about that until, or if they advance to an NBA finals. And so I I don't really think that's going to affect the team. Um, now in terms of you're saying like the general, Hey, how do I feel about this? Look, the Bucks have played, the best defensive basketball they have all season long in the last 10 days. And it is without question if you want to look at raw points per game or if you're into metrics um, and, and run over run NBA.com stats, advanced stats, they, they have not played this well defensively since they fired Mike Budenholzer last spring. Um, so that is without question. Now, unfortunately, they went from being this historic offense to one of the worst. And yeah. Chris Middleton has missed five games. Brooke missed three. Damian missed one and played on one leg where he probably should have missed. So it was their time for injury, which has really hampered the scoring. I I think, you know, if any of those guys play any of those games, instead of three and seven, they're probably five and five, six and four, and and everyone's feeling a little better about this. So I don't know. And, again, I I don't know what Minneapolis is going to look like. That is the number one team in the West. Whatever this practice is, but um, you know, Grant, I, they are playing better. At some point, they're going to need to win some games. <laughs> um, and Giannis did call him out. Look uh, over at jsonline.com. Scroll through the All Star stuff, which is fun. But Giannis said, "Hey, do we want this? Like he so Giannis did question the collective desire of the team to do what's necessary and. You know, even Doc said, hey, like people kind of latched on to the, oh, half of us were in Cabo, half of us were were here. Okay, that's a nice quote, and he got his point across. But he also, in in a larger sense, Grant, also echoed, or vice versa, Giannis' statements of we need to change the way we approach these games. And so that's, that's the big question, Grant. W- were some of these habits that were baked in under Griff while they were winning were sort of laissez day fair Type of attitude, our talent will carry us. Let's just wait till the playoffs. Look, that's bitten this team badly the last two years. That's why they've made all these coaching changes. So I think that's the big question. It's not so much Doc Rivers. It's not so much X's and O's or Pat Bev or Gallo or whatever. It's it's do they answer Giannis's question? Do they want it? And I don't know if we're gonna know that until certain markers and i don't that's that intangible grant i don't know i mean that's that's the um I, you know bill you will be checking in on with me on that i'm sure yeah. um
2: as we go on and we'll see it it won't be difficult to see <clears throat> something that i've said about the bucks we got about 60 seconds but something that i've said is they always look surprised down the stretch that the other team is trying so hard to beat them and i like <laughs> i i need too. it to not look like that to really start to feel better you know that's yeah. that's kind of where i stand and i would agree with the comments yeah
4: exactly right that's i think that's where they need to get out of whatever it is they're in and again unanswerable until it's answered
2: yeah. one way or the other i got you jim i appreciate you coming on and putting up with me bill will be back and and you guys can be back to your typical <laughs> conversation next week thanks for the time jim i uh, looking forward to it speak soon
1: this is the wisco sports show with grant bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, final segment. Appreciate you listening tonight. There's not really many actual sporting events going on this week. There's a lot going on in our world. I mean, the Packers got a new strength and conditioning coach. Brewer spring training is starting to heat up. I cannot wait to be there. Garrett Mitchell's got a new swing. Joey Weimer's got a new swing. Reese Hoskins is in camp. Sal Freelich's playing the infield. It's going to be a really fun spring training to follow this team. And now that Brandon Woodruff's back, and I'm just amped for this season. A little bit of Yelich and Marco talking some talking some mess, talking some ish as well. Like, I don't know why people keep picking other teams. I don't know why we keep winning. Is what we do, the Brewers. We're really good at this. I don't know why it's taken so long for everyone else to figure out. Which I love. Big thanks to Jim Ozarski and Tim Dillard who joined me earlier today on Bill's show. Um, not to recycle material, but Jesus, I can only <laughs> I can only create so much material when there's no sports going on. When there's no actual games being played tonight, Wisconsin hosting Maryland, and this is a game they got to have. I don't really know what the conversation is going to be like tomorrow if the Badgers lose this game. 8 o'clock, it is on Peacock, as Vagabond John mentioned earlier. Again, just get Peacock if you don't already have it. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to tell you. You just got to have it to watch sports in this day and age. To 8 o'clock, Cole Center hopefully be hopping. They took care of Ohio State last week in a very similar spot. Hopefully, they can do it with Maryland tonight. Win, lose, or draw. I guess just win or lose. We'll talk about the game tomorrow, what it means for the rest of the season. And if they lose and it's bad, maybe what it means, big picture for the program. I would like to avoid having that conversation tomorrow. Have an awesome night. Enjoy the Badger game. I'll talk to you all tomorrow at 4.